0: Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revell.
1: Hello and welcome to Inside Speedway. Craig Ravel joining you for another week. Dennis Newland, he's taking some time off as he's concentrating on the latest edition of Speedway Classics, which he's working very hard to get ready for all those Speedway fans. So we've got a great show today. We're gonna be speaking to a a driver I certainly was uh, looking up to in the speed car category when I was starting out and even before I could get into a car and that is Glenn Cox. We have a great chat with him later in the show. Now, as we've been following the uh, Sparta Walklaw Speedway team, they've continued on their fifth round of the uh, Polish Championships. So Sparta's latest win in uh, Walklaw over Grzydasz, was a successful one, 53 to 37. Top scorer, Magic Gunoski with 11 plus one. Dravik with eight plus one. Well, Wolfenden with 10 plus three. Holder with a five plus one. So, Holder having his second run with the Sparta Rocklaw team. The top scorers, four. Uh, Grzydard was 11 points to Kenneth Bier. 16 points to Arton Laguta, that club also featuring Nicky Pedersen and Premislaw Pozliski in that lineup. But it was a good win for the Sparta team. The New South Wales Speed Car Association has put out their provisional calendar for the new year, kicking off the season with races at Valvoline Raceway, Nowra Speedway, and also heading off to Goulburn. So, they're starting off on the 26th of September with an open-wheel practice. Then we'll see them October 24 with the open-wheel deal at Valvoline Raceway running on the 7th of November right through to the Christmas period, remembering that the Australian Speed Car Championship is going to be held at the uh, Valvoline Raceway this year on the twenty uh, next year on the 26th and 27th of uh, February. Uh, right before that, they'll have the New South Wales speed car title. And Interesting. I think it might be a typo because on the 20th March they've got the the AGP marked down. AGP Lismore. Uh, they've got the venue down as Valvoline Raceway. So we'll have to uh, follow up on that one. But uh, the 50 lapper, well, it goes back to being a, a real race again on the 8th of May. Some of the highlights finishing up at Valvoline Raceway, the farewell meeting on the 22nd of May. So it's great to see the speed cars getting out a calendar. It'll be more interesting to see how many of those races don't get shuffled around in the uh, new year looking at how the COVID might shake out for 2021 and 2021 season. It was great to have a chat with Glenn Cox here on Inside Supercars today. And as we uh, well wrap up, uh, we mentioned that uh, the World of Outlaws last weekend had a, a busy three tracks in three days. And this weekend, they're heading off to Lernerville Speedway, On the 21st, and Lincoln Speedway in Pennsylvania on the 23rd. As uh, well, we saw some interesting racing last weekend. Joining us on the line on Inside Speedway, it's great to have a chat with Glenn Cox. Glenn, we've known each other quite a few years now, and of course, you were the young guy that I was always looking up to, you know, to try and get into the uh, the speed cars when it was my turn, and I guess uh, now we're both old guys.
2: Uh, yes, we are old guys, yeah. Um, I'm probably a lot older than you, actually, but uh, yeah, so no, it's, um, I started pretty early. I think my first run was in 1979 at Liverpool on the pavement. That was the very first um, driver I had, and that was in a B-grade race in Dad's car. So um, yeah, so but but at that particular time, it was um, you know it wasn't all that common for young guys to be racing sprint cars or midgets or anything like that, you know. Yeah. So it was a little little bit strange, and I was racing all my heroes, all the fellas from the 60s and 70s that were you know were bigger than larger than life for me. So it was great to be able to race those guys for a little bit. Uh, including your father, including your father and, uh, you know, Ronald Mackay and Tatnalls and Sid Middlemisses and all these these kind of guys. So it was, it was a good opportunity it was a, you know, to be able to race those guys at uh, such a young age, you know. Um, yeah, because, as I said, back in them days, when I started, I was probably 17 or 18, and that was, you know, as I said, it was pretty young then, really, um, you know, compared to the way things are now. So.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. So, nowadays yeah, Daisy, seventeen,
2: and you started late. Well, yeah, compared to today, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at some of the guys now; they're basically just kids, aren't they? So, um, yeah. So, um, but anyway, back back when I started, that's that was the earliest you could start. You couldn't start any earlier than that. Mm. So you basically had to have a car license before you could race speedway. So I, I had to wait for all that to happen. and – yeah, you know, well, you know, it couldn't come quick enough. I couldn't, well, I couldn't wait to do it. You know,
1: you were in a racing family and in and around it. So, did you always was that always what you wanted to do? Was it you always wanted to get in a car and and start racing?
2: Um, yeah, oh, for sure. Um, I don't even think I even thought about it. It's just, and you guys are probably the same. It's just something that I always wanted to do because, like I I was around dad for a long time doing all. Doing all his racing because he started in the late '60s in GP midget racing, so and then went on to the midgets in the mid '70s, I think it was. Yeah, so you know, as a young fella, I was busting to get in the pits and be a pit crew member and all that kind of stuff, and you yeah, know, I'm sure you and Glen were doing the same thing. And we we probably all snuck in the pits at an age that we probably shouldn't have been there. That's so, right. um, But yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I was, yeah, basically born and bred into it, you know what I mean. But no, but it was good. It's been really it was a, you know, it was a good twenty year career, I guess. It was, um, yeah, it was, um, you know, you'd you'd love to do it all again for sure.
1: Yes, with the knowledge that we have now. <laughs> yeah, just not the body. Eh? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you, you you said you started on the the
2: asphalt. Uh, yeah, 79. I had my very first drive in dad's Edmunds Volkswagen that was on the pavement of Liverpool, and uh, I can tell you what, that was a one scary you know episode doing that. I don't think I slept for two weeks before I was you know <laughs> ready to have my first run because you know the pavement was pretty daunting back in them days, it was fast and highly banked, and you know, I, I had no go kart experience or anything like that. I was you know, I just Come off racing BMX bikes for about four or five years, and was, you know, luckily to be pretty successful in that. And then just hopped in a midget and started driving one. So, yeah. So it was. Um, I must admit, the first, the very, very first meeting I had at Liverpool was, was all that was only a ten lap heat. Uh, yeah, it was. It was actually quite scary.
1: Now, of course, most people certainly on the East and Sea board would know. Your old man, but it turns out there was racing in your family before then.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, my grandfather was always involved in speedway um, uh, and had a bit of a passion for motorcycles as well, and was old friends of uh, the McGees and you know all those old old names that you heard about in the showground days from the fifties and sixties. I used to knock around with all those kind of guys, and it's only it's only been recent times through. uh, through having a chat with Chris McGee that we found out that uh, my grandfather actually had a couple of races in a midget and we, we didn't know anything about it. So I'm almost positive that my father didn't know about it either because, you know, otherwise I'm sure we would have spoke about it, you know. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's only just come out recently, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how things can get uncovered. Now, Kevin Cox starts in GP midgets, which – GP midgets, yep. yeah, yeah. Back in those days, like as a kid, uh, we were speaking GP <clears throat> midgets last week on the show, and as a kid, I was just always taken by them because they they
2: looked like Grand Prix cars that uh, yeah. were racing oh, yeah, over in Europe. Yeah.
1: They they were a completely different beast.
2: Yeah, to, uh, yeah, no, they were all cool little cars. There's no doubt about that. And they back in the dirt days of Liverpool. They're actually quite quite fast around there. And um, and they had a pretty good following back back in them days. Oh, so, yeah, no great little race car. I never raced one myself, but because uh, you know, obviously, when I when I started, dad was completely out of it all then. So, so I never never quite got the opportunity to hop in one myself. But I would have liked I would have liked to. It's just one of those things that didn't happen, you know.
1: And you mentioned off air that it was your dad seeing really Volkswagens and and uh, and Foyt Rutherford. That really made him want to make the switch.
2: Mm. Oh, for sure, yeah, because he, he was. He, yeah, Dad was still racing the GP midgets at that stage, and um, we, you know, the news came that Foyt was coming to Liverpool, which was, you know, as you know, it's a pretty pretty big deal. Even even when you think about it today, it's hard to imagine that that happened, you know. Mm. So um, yeah, but soon as uh, soon as Foyt and Kenyon turned up in the Edmonds Volkswagens, um, it was the kind of first time we'd seen those cars. And as you know, they're a lot lot different to the cars they race in the 50s and 60s. You know, they're, they're quite, a, quite a sleek little machine, the the Volkswagens for sure. Nice low body style and they're just a beautiful looking car. And um, yeah, my dad just basically fell in love with them. He just, he, you know, he, he, he couldn't wait to buy one. He just had to have one after he'd seen um, Foyton Canyon come out here.
1: It's interesting because uh, he would have started racing dirt and then was racing a mix of asphalt and dirt, you then got to go to Parramatta and uh, you saw a couple of different uh, guises of the speed cars at Parramatta and um, one of which uh, you think back now on what you were doing and you just shake your head sometimes when they put the wings on the speed cars. I don't know about you but... Going around we Parramatta, talk- we shouldn't be talking about that, Craig. Oh, but going around Parramatta and you're not lifting, <laughs> just you yeah, know, isn't yeah, right, is it? And that's what a no, that's no, what a wing no, did.
2: No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I used to feel sorry for my engine to be honest with you. And um, basically, every time we went there, with a wing, I just I just kept waiting for the thing to explode, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. You're just hard on it all the time, and yeah, you, know, you know that's basically wing racing. You kind of flapped the boards all the way around, and. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, from, you know, coming from a mechanic background, I used to always feel sorry for that little engine <laughs> running away. Yeah. You know, doing that for 10, 20 laps, you know, mm. it's, but, it's... Uh, but anyway, it was one of those things would happen. It was out of our control and, you know, I, I never particularly, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't that fond of wings, but we didn't really, the club didn't really have a choice at that stage. We'd been through a few few disasters, you know, and, um, and to be honest with you, the, the, the cars in the '80s uh, midgets were actually quite dangerous. Um, mm. You know, they don't have the power they got now, and they never quite suited the clay tracks. They're basically basically they're still dirt cars. Um, don't didn't have the offset axles and things like the cars you've got now, as you know. Mm. So yeah, we went through a period there through the '80s where we ended up on the clay and 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 yeah some bad things happened and it was um yeah it was quite quite a dangerous time to be driving a midget because you know we just as we basically took dirt cars to the to the clay
1: yep and interestingly the the thing that uh, i know dad compared it to always uh, was when you had a v8 motor and those big balloons particularly on the right yep. rear they could drive over the ruts but yeah. oh, for sure. You were yeah, there's all that in a yep. midget. You just yep. you just fell into the rut and yeah. more
2: <laughs> often than not, yeah. it put you on your lid. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we've all been there and done that. Yeah, so yeah, no, they, they yeah. Honestly, they just they really weren't suited to Parramatta. But Parramatta was built as a sprint car track, so I'd, I'd never, you know, I would never you know, begrudge you know Parramatta being a clay track. That's it was built for sprint cars, and that's what it was all about, you know. Yeah. What so, a- uh, but anyway, we we got stuck racing there and. um. But yeah, as I said, and you know yourself, our cars just didn't really suit that surface and um, it's nothing like the, the cars are today, that's for sure.
1: No, that's right. Now, thinking about some of the cars you drove, what can you take us through the evolution of your race cars?
2: Um, yes. Well, the first, I ran, like I said, I ran my dad's car for a, for a little bit, just in B-grade races and stuff like that. And um, that wasn't quite working out because, you know, obviously I wanted my own car, so... <laughs> To, to run one B grade race a night, you know, that was, you know, I, I just had to have my own car. So yeah, so um as it turned out, um, Doug Moore from Queensland had his Garden of Volkswagen for sale and it was quite quite a famous car. I don't think it won any big races or anything like that, but it was it was one of the probably one of the best cars in the country at the time, certainly in the top five or six, you know, midgets at the time. There's no doubt about that. It was a really nice car. And uh, yeah, so I, it came up for sale and obviously I didn't have any money so I went and, you know, dab went guarantor and I went and had a chat to the bank and all that kind of silly things that you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I bought that car and it had a bit of, bit of success with that car pretty much straight away. And then, um, and then the next few cars I basically built myself um the next the next the the car right after I sold the garden car i i built my own chassis and stuff like that and um just wanted to do something different and the garden car was getting starting to get a little bit old and I just wanted to do something a little bit different and kind of keep up with the times as you do so yeah and and that that had you know had my fair share of success in that car as well um especially once we um you know we we in eighty six we went to the states and bought a couple of autocraft pro series engines and as soon as we whacked that one of those motors in there that was it that was you know it was a pretty pretty gun kind of machine after that yeah so um yeah so i drove that car for quite a while and um then i built another car after that which had a nissan fj20 engine in it and um as much as it being a great car and probably one of the best cars i ever had you know the, the nissan fj20 engine didn't quite quite match it, you know, Uh, the Cosworths were the, the Cosworths were kind of the, you know, the gun engine at the time, and, um, but they were worth a lot of money, and I didn't have any money, so we kind of, we kind of went the Japanese way, you know, Mm. Um, but as I said, it was a great, it was a great little engine, and I I belted the hell out of the thing, and I, I, I just, as much as I tried to blow the thing to pieces, I just couldn't blow it up, it was just a great little motor. But it just didn't have the grunt that, uh, you know, compared to the race motors. So I kind of raced that thing for, um, I think it was maybe early
1: 90s. This would have been uh, the three-quarter bar car, wouldn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, it's interesting, you were building your chassis and yep. everyone was going to the, the high bar gambler. And I, I always thought that wasn't the right chassis for a, for a speed car. Yeah, I actually wanted John Sydney to make me a three quarter bar,
0: and oh, okay, you rolled yeah, up yeah. with
1: yours, and I'm just going, that is exactly what I think a speed car A should look like, <laughs> yeah. and B yeah. would work best because I reckon the high bars were tightening the chassis too much. Yeah, and yeah. you needed more flex.
2: Yeah, that was yeah no, well, that's I what I thought anyway. I and when you rolled up with why, it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that is exactly the right car. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It was, um, I, I, to be honest, it was so long ago now. I'm, I can't remember all my reasons for doing what i had done, but um, but it's, yeah, it's just yeah. It was it was it was a nice little car, and I was you know I was I was pretty proud of it, and the one before that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know we, we the truck would turn up out the front with ten straight lamps of cream ollie on it, and you'd design something, and where you'd go, you know what I mean. So it was it was good to be able to. I think it's good to be able to do that, you know, if you can. So. Yeah.
1: It- it was pretty common too, wasn't it? The guys' dad built the coilover car himself, and guys were out there build it still, building their own race cars from the ground up. Yeah, oh for sure, yeah.
2: especially through that, um, especially through the eighties and the early nineties. The, the biggest biggest problem was if you didn't have a real lot of money. Like the Australian dollar was pretty poor, if you remember back then. Because when when we went to America in '86 to buy the Auto craft, so I think it was – I think we got like 58 cents in the dollar, and that, that was just a killer, you know what I mean? So, you yeah, know, instead of coming back with – you know, if it was dollar for dollar, I could have almost came back with two motors <laughs> and basically came back with one motor, you know what I mean, and, yeah. and not too many spares to back it up, you know. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so a lot of guys built their own stuff, and that's why my dad was building a lot of his own stuff, and, you know, Gardner was building stuff, and, and Murphy in, over in Perth was building nice cars. Yeah, John Sydney down in Victoria building building chassis and stuff. You know what I mean? And we we basically built as much stuff as we could in the shop. You
0: know,
2: um, we just we just made everything by the tyres. You know what I mean? We just made as much stuff as we could, and that was basically the main reason. You know, because it was the Australian dollar was so poor. It was uh, like saying unless unless you're fairly wealthy, it was it was hard to buy a competitive car out of America. You know, it, was, it wasn't a wasn't an easy thing to do, so uh, not not making any excuses, but that's just the way it was, you know.
1: <laughs> so sorry, I cut you off there just because I did want to talk about that car. But uh, where did you move on to after that?
2: Um, well, I basically that I think that was um, last time I drove that car was the Australian title at Parramatta, and I just missed out on the A Main, I think. So that's. 98. I think that was a year. I no, I can't remember. It was 94. a year Warren Eakins won. Yeah, it might have yeah. been 94. Yeah, it would have been 94, the, the year Eakins won, I think. And I basically, um, I was so disappointed that I didn't make the A-Main. I sat up on the hill and watched the A-Main, and I thought, Jesus, every one of these cars has got a race engine in it. You know what I mean? And I, I'm trying to get in the field with a Nissan FJ20. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I I was, I was so disappointed. I basically pulled the pin on it, and I'd... I thought that's it. I'm selling selling this thing. I've had enough. I just I just can't I just can't compete with these guys financially, you know. Yeah. And um, uh, lo and behold, when uh, I met um, a fellow by the name of John Brett, and um got quite friendly with John, and John was telling me about a. Uh, a brand new Ellis that he was important from America and he was going to run a Fontana engine in it. And he, uh, he, he, basically said to me straight up, he says, listen, I, I can't drive. He says, I'm, I'm no driver. He said, but I'd love to be involved. So, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so from that pro- probably from the mid nineties, uh, up to 2000 when I gave it away, I drove for, uh, I drove for John Brett. So, and that was, you know, it was a good deal. It was a far better car than I could afford to buy myself, and that was pretty much it. That's about as far as I went.
1: What, what did you really enjoy about racing?
2: Uh, to To be honest, they're just, a, they're just a real buzz to drive, aren't they? Mm.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, so you can talk about all sorts of things, uh. but when it comes down to it, uh, they're just a real thrill to drive and, um, you know, all, all race cars, all divisions, you know, there's, there's obviously guys do it for, you know, lots of reasons, but there was just a real buzz about driving, uh, driving the midget. I just really loved it, you know, and, it, you know, it was, it was scary too at the time and you had to respect the things and respect what racetracks you're driving at and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, uh yeah, but it was good. But, you know, it was good. And, and you know, I, I, I had a pretty good career and a lot of my friends were my pit crew and, you know, we had a great time together and, you know, the travelling and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? We, Yeah, that was a great uh, great thing to do back have, then.
1: Have you ever tallied up how many tracks you went to and what was the favourite track?
2: Um, I, I, I basically, I, I remember going to Rockhampton for the title up there. And probably raced every track down all the way to Speedway Park in Adelaide. I guess I never went over to Perth. Um, favorite track, Jesus, um, probably a little a bit hard to go past Newcastle. Um, I just, you know, Liverpool's good too. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't, I didn't race there as much as at Liverpool as much as I would have liked, if you know what I mean. The midgets were kind of done there, you know. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I had a few runs at Liverpool, but now I'd probably say, uh, and and to be honest, like I, I, at Newcastle, I, the first time I raced it was pavement. Yeah. Uh, That was in the uh, Doug Mora car that I bought. Um, they, they basically ran a winter season with pavement down. So I'd probably done, I don't know, maybe four or five shows on the pavement. And then the, the, yeah. So when the summer season came, they basically pulled it up and went back, went back to the dirt track and and it was you know it was a great dirt track it was just absolutely brilliant you know as you knew they run speedway bikes on it and all sorts of stuff you know so it was a very well prepared um track and even when it eventually went to clay as well i can be a bit little bit critical about clay tracks sometimes but even when it went to clay it was actually very well prepared race track and um it was a damn good clay track as well so, but anyway, that's another one by the wayside, isn't
1: it? It is, and uh, yeah, you almost count up more tracks that are gone than tracks that you race on after oh, a while, yeah. or Go that off, are still sure, yeah. that you used
2: to race on after a while. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, a little, a little bit sad, but. Um, and uh, I was lucky to get a, have a couple of runs at the showground and stuff before it closed, um, and I didn't have a lot of experience at Sydney Showground, so it was, it was quite, it was, you know, it was very tricky. Um, you know, I, I, to be honest, most of the time, the few runs I had at the showground, I was more interested in just getting myself around there without running into something. <laughs> uh, the joint had like 50 corners on it. And, uh, for, you know, for the Blake's race there in the sixties and seventies and done thousands of laps on it, it probably wasn't such an issue. You know what I mean? Mm. But, uh, yeah, for the, the, the couple of runs that I had there, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty daunting kind of place. There's no doubt about that. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I would have loved to love to have done a lot more there to try and learn the track a little bit better. Yeah. So, um, but it, yeah, it um, definitely yeah, was no, a most, stadium, I, wasn't it? it? I only got to
1: run, uh, the offie there, um, yep. just in a exhibition. I never actually got uh-huh, to race yep. there, but yep. it was, it was very different to racing it, at, uh, at Charlie or Newcastle or oh, Parramatta yeah. was a different beast again,
2: yeah. as you said. Oh, exactly, exactly, Craig. That's what I was just trying to explain. It was it was certainly a different place. There's no doubt about that. And, um, you know, you could see, like those last few nights they ran at the showground, you could just see how good Gary Rush was around there. And, you know, it wasn't hard to tell that he'd done a 1,000 laps around there, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, a, a great race car driver as well, don't get me wrong. Mm. But um, yeah, had done a million laps around that place and pretty much knew it backwards It all. all Order came back to him, fit you know pretty quick. I would imagine. So um, Canberra was fun. We to like going down to Canberra. We were well, a little bit sport back then because we could, you know, we, at one stage we still had we had Liverpool and you know obviously Parramatta still there for now. But um, it was nice to be able to, you know, hop in the car and go a few hours north or south and run at, run at the motor drone and run down at Tralee, you know. So we're a little bit spoilt now compared to the guys today.
1: Yeah, they've got so a few um, miles to get through to get to yeah, the they uh, do. next track, don't yeah, they?
2: They certainly do, yeah. Yep, yeah, they uh, certainly it do. Yeah. Gunadar?
1: I think it's Gunadar and Parramatta and uh, and then you're
2: heading out of state. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. There are a few obviously a few little country tracks around here and there, but um, you know, which you can't you know, a bit difficult running sprint cars and midgets in them tracks anyway, but yeah, there's still some little old country, you know, tracks getting around but um but yeah, there's two there's two cities there, that, uh, Newcastle and Canberra. Real, real shame that they lost their tracks, and um, you know we've never seen anything go back there. You know what I mean? It's a real shame because there was good there was a good following down Canberra, and you know, uh, and same as Newcastle. Yeah, the so, real shame.
1: So away from racing, you did your motor mechanics apprenticeship.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done all that. Yeah. Um, Yep, still doing all that stuff today. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, i got my workshop in Camden now. I've been here about 20 years now, which is, you know, the business that Dad started originally. And um, these days I, I'm actually, uh, i actually – I've got a bit of flack for this, but I actually work work with Sammy Walsh and John Walsh on there, uh, just, you know, crewing on their sprint car. Um, yeah, so I, I I'm still a bit involved in that, obviously involved with the vintage stuff a little bit as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, and also, you know, I'm, I'm always playing around some type of motorcycle, you know. I've always had a bit of a passion for motorcycles, so I'm, I'm always playing around with something there as well. And kids involved in motorbike racing? Uh, my son, Jay, he's 27 now, and he pretty much, uh, he he started racing motocross when I, he was probably about seven or eight, which is basically, it was around about the time that I retired. Mm-hmm. From Speedway, and I probably spent the next ten or twelve years just dragging his motorbikes all over the country with him, you know, and that was fantastic too. That was that was great, you know. Absolutely loved it, you know. So yeah, for probably probably a good ten years there, I didn't have a lot to do with Speedway. I'd only go out to I'd go out to Parramatta a couple of times a year and watch a few big midget shows and. And, and basically just went a completely different direction and just got involved with my son and the and the motocross bikes, you know, and that, and that was fantastic. He's still involved today, but um, he doesn't need his father to drive him around anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so, but he's, he's, yeah, my son's a bit funny. He's never, never really had an interest in speedway. So um, mm. uh, it's probably my fault because I bought him a mini bike when he was a kid and, you know what I mean? So I only got myself to blame for that. So um, yeah, so he's he's never he likes a speedway, he loves it, but he's just never had any interest in driving anything. So is bike racing,
1: motocross racing, um, does it have the same dramas? Could we say as what speedway has in the way it's run?
2: Uh, well, it's all club, it's all club related. A lot of the tracks um unlike you know we, now it's not like track owners and promoters you're dealing with you know mm. um I, I, it's been a while since i've been involved now i'm not exactly sure what's going on with it all now but um but no it, it wasn't too bad you know you're dealing with a lot of kids and stuff like that you know so that was you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that, had it, that had its moments <laughs> but um yeah but they're, they're all club run shows and and a lot of them you know Motocross is normally, you know, out in the country somewhere, you know. So they're all all pretty well run. Uh, you know, the motocross clubs are all pretty well run. And, you know, everyone pitches in and as a go. And, you know, what I mean, it, you know, it's not big time. You know what I mean? It's just – it's basically racing, you know, for the amateurs, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, so, no, it's good. I'm, I'm sure they had their same dramas. Don't get me wrong. I never got involved at any club level there, as you know what I mean? I was never on any committees or anything like that. I just – I just basically raced with my son, and that was it. Helped him out, and that was about it, you know. So, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it has its same drama as Craig. I'm sure it does somewhere along the line. Now, you're still, as you mentioned, you're still
1: helping out with the uh, sprint cars these days. What do you think of Speedway in 2020?
2: 2020 uh, is not looking real good for anything at the moment, is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> fair point. Yeah, it's Not but real good at all, up, is it? Up until it parked. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we had a we had a season cut off short, and uh, you've been going through hell ever since with all sorts of things. Mm. So uh, yeah, not been a good year for anybody. I don't think doesn't matter what you're into. So um, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm not sure where speedways going. It's a little bit strange, and um, we know about we all know about Parramatta, and um, let's hope the Eastern Creek thing happens. Um, you know we you know we've all been there and done that and heard a lot of stories over the years. So uh, you know I've. You know, I just want to be a little bit positive about it and hopefully one day I'm going there. Mm. I just hope it happens, you know. But travelling around the country when you look, you know, when you,
1: when you were sitting back going, I don't have the money to afford, uh, you know, a Yankee engine to keep racing at the front mm. of the pack, uh, you're sitting in a, in, a, in a pit now at a sprint car show when you, you're travelling at Avalon or travelling to all these places these days and you must yep. be just going, this is next level.
2: Uh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. With the sprint car guys, there's, there's a lot of money there for sure. Um, you know, obviously it, oh, I guess a lot of it's sponsorship money. I'm not real sure, but yeah, when you see the rigs that they're towing around these days and even, even like the top class midget teams, you won't find too many top class midget teams in this country or New Zealand or probably even in America that has, has two or three spare motors sitting in a trailer. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, uh, you, you often see guys will hurt, hurt a motor in a in a midget, and that's it. They're done for the night, you know. So uh, it doesn't seem to matter, you know, whether it's a well sponsored team or well backed team or not. They just don't seem to have the same resources that the sprint cars have. So, um, and that's I guess that's been that's something that's been happening for quite a while, I guess. But um, but anyway. Um, that's the way it goes. But yeah, but no, it kind of definitely opens up, opened up my eyes getting involved with them guys. And, um, you know, my first love's midgets and always will be. and um, uh, But I like sprint cars. I like all racing divisions, you know what I mean? Love the speedway bikes. I like it all, you know. Yeah. And what about, and, uh, what about the vintage? Yeah, sorry, man.
1: What about the vintage racing? Oh, uh, well, sort of, well, racing. Well, the yeah, way they put the cars racing.
2: together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you better not say racing. We might get in the trouble. No, that's right. Uh, well, the vintage exhibitions. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we need we need to drum that into a few people's heads. I think. <laughs> but yeah.
1: you know, Dad always says the cars are better now than when he drove them. What the old
2: cars? The old cars, the, like the historic oh, so. cars, they're in better
1: condition. They're in better condition now. and safer than they were yeah, when he pro- raced Yeah, them. you
2: know what? They, they probably are, and, and, and probably the brakes work as well. Well, that,
1: <laughs> Dad and I were commentating at Fraser Park. It must have been a sprint car race, but it was the night after a. It was the night after a showground race. Yep. And it must mean someone had raced at the showground on Saturday night, and they were racing a sprint car at Charlie on Sunday, and we were calling the races for the radio. And I said, "Oh, such and such, uh, you know, got into trouble at the showground, and and I can't remember who it was, but anyway, he said he had to had to back out of it because, um, you know, he lost his brakes halfway through the race. And, oh yeah. And yeah. Dad, my, the the station manager said of Dad. He was the Jack Gibson of Motor Racing Commentary because <laughs> Jack, Dad yeah. sits there and he goes, brakes, you don't use brakes at the showground. <laughs> I don't nah, know whether nah, they we'll, didn't work uh, or yeah, – no, but he just said you drove the car on the throttle. You didn't You didn't yeah, oh, use brakes. Well, I
2: guess you would, yeah, yeah. especially around a place like that, yeah. yeah. But it was yeah, just so I, funny. I it's the, funny the, brakes. the brakes are certainly better on today's cars. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Yeah, you don't use brakes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, that's what I was uh, doing. It's still, wrong. Good, still good to have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, there's yeah, been plenty of stories about breaks over the years. On huh? that's, that's for sure. <laughs> Indeed,
1: Glenn, it's been great to catch up with you and have
2: a chat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's been great, yeah. Craig. I haven't seen you for a while, but yeah, it'd be good to catch up again soon. I keep I keep running into your brother all the time.
1: Yeah. Well, so, um, you know, he's, well, you he's probably still trying to that. sell your
2: parts. And you don't even have a car for it. <laughs> I don't even have a car and he's trying to sell me stuff. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I had a car. If I had the money, I'd own a car tomorrow. I'd love to own a car. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, not, not when they're, you know, $70,000, $80,000 motors sitting in them is a bit tough. Indeed. I can understand that too. Anyway, I'm quite happy to watch them. They're they midget racing's racers. Uh, just been over the top the last... 10, 15 years has just come on so strong. It's just incredible to watch watch the guys race them now. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, so
1: that's about it. Well, Glenn, thanks for your time today here on Inside Speedway.
2: No, thank thank you for your time, Craig. I wasn't real sure where you wanted to talk to me, but anyway, it's been good, mate.
0: Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine. On sale now.
1: Looking at that a busy weekend last weekend well it was donny shots who just couldn't get past price miller to take out the feature race win that was at the uh, 434 raceway so price miller had a 2 seconds lead over the 10-time series champion shots at the end of a race or the first day or night of racing. Then it was the hometown man at Wilmont Raceway in David Gravel, finishing ahead of Carson Macedo and Logan Schuert. Well, Schuert came back and on the action track at Haute, it was his turn to stand on the top of the podium. So some great racing there from the world of outlaws looking at the points as they go into this weekend brad sweet still leads by two points over donnie shot 14 on logan schuart carcer macedos 56 points back and rounding out the top five is sheldon hortenschild so world of outlaws continuing on in earnest here in 2020 that's all you have time for this week on inside speedway Until next time round. keep smiling, and bye for now.
0: Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by... P1 Australia, and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.